we all know it's coming and it's not gonna be pretty. It's great to have storable food, but when that runs out, what are you gonna do? Your best defense against the coming apocalypse is to have seeds so you can grow your own food. So I've been looking for various different seeds for the last couple of years. And off the bat, almost all seed companies are the same, as long as they're non-GMO, heirloom, yada, yada. But it's the following years that really concern me. So I bought a whole bunch of seeds last year. And when you get seeds, there's, there's a lot of seeds in a pack, a whole lot. You're probably not gonna use them all if you have a small garden. So you wanna make sure they last again the following year. So the best company I found for these seeds is called Survival Essentials. And when you go on their webpage, it says, your best defense against the coming apocalypse. So go to survival-essentials.com, save 10% with promo code DEFIANT, and get ready because we're gonna need to eat. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't trust the food in the grocery store anymore. I don't trust it unless I can plant the seed with my own hands and watch it grow with my own eyes and know where it's coming from and feed it to my family. So survival-essentials.com, promo code DEFIANT, saves you 10%. States of America. justice for all.
Time to resist. They can't arrest us all, and they can't keep all your kids home from school. They can't keep every government building closed. We don't have to accept the mandates, lockdowns, and harmful policies of the petty tyrants and feckless bureaucrats. We can simply say no, not again. The only way to stop these mandates is to refuse to comply, refuse to show vaccine passports, refuse to wear a mask, refuse to stay at home. We will not comply with Fauci. We will not comply with Joe Biden, and we will not comply with authoritarian governors. I am not going to comply. This ends now.
the truth God, we need you now I know the truth is hard to swallow, just digest it Suspected something's going on Chosen, just neglected Deflected by some breaking news Oh, we just accepted Expected just to fall in line and follow their perspective Don't question their objectives But I got a lot of questions How these kids molested but nobody's been arrested uh, Read it in the testament These children are protected So I'm fighting all these terrorists Both foreign and domestic Refuse to be directed Lying out of sheep Only kneel to my God So I'm dying on my feet uh, Silence when we speak But there's violence in the street I've been rolling with the punches I can't take this on the cheap nah, Drink from a glass half full I'm optimistic People are sadistic So vicious and malicious Praying for assistance to overcome my position Or I'm gonna start resisting And then I pray for forgiveness oh, one day I hope you see the truth This puppet show It stays on Because of you fools We've been dancing with the devil Way too long I know it's fun, but get ready to pay your dues. Oh, God, come back home. This crazy world is filled with liars and abusers. We need you now before we're too far gone. I hope one day they finally see the truth God, we need you now We need you now We need you now One day Puppet show it stays on because of you fools. We've been dancing with the devil way too long. I know it's fun, but get ready to pay your dues. Oh God, come back home. This Finally see the truth God, we need you now Welcome back, friends, to another episode of Freedom Gardens, episode number nine. 
That song seemed appropriate since it's Holy Saturday. Tomorrow's Easter. We will not be doing a true spiracy tomorrow for Easter, but um, I was debating live streaming the first season of The Chosen. So let me all know, uh, let me know in the chats what y'all think. If you'd like me to live stream the first season of The Chosen tomorrow in lieu of True Spiracy for Easter, um, we'll make that decision by the end of the uh, the show here. So um, Heather, unfortunately, couldn't make it today. She uh, she woke up sniffly. It's kind of a miserable day here in the low country. It started raining last night and it hasn't, I mean, it's just kind of been black all day. So I did not get to go out and play in the dirt like I wanted to this morning, but I did get to bake. And since my mom put me in charge of desserts for Easter tomorrow, that was a good thing. So um, I shared that with you too. Uh, we'll get to that. So, hey, Crazy Chuck, Mark Jason Walker, Michelle, Lindsay, Lindsay, good to see you. Hope you had fun last night. Uh, Lindsay B, Kiwi Boy, good to see everyone. Thank you for joining me today. So um, I uh, I want to go over a couple things. Planting, planning and prepping, right? Um, why it's so important now why it's so urgent now, right now. Um, it's, uh, it's planting season right now, wherever you are. I don't care where you are in the world. If it's cold outside, plant inside, start seedling and in, seedlings indoors. If it's warm outside, um, but you still might get another frost, plant things that can tolerate a little bit of frost. Uh, your, your salad greens, your, radishes and beets, things like that. If it's warm where you are, like it is here, plant everything. Plant. Seriously. You need to grow your own food. I'm not even kidding. Um, it's, it's getting, it's getting dire out there, folks. Uh, and we'll, we'll get into that. They don't call me the mother of the apocalypse for nothing. But first I want to start with what I've got going on. A little bit of an update for y'all here. So <laughs> yeah, I guess we can start here. So, okay. Let me share this so that you guys can see the screen. So, um, Last year or last week, I did do a little update, planting update at the beginning of the show, but we'll get a little more in depth into it today. So here is my seedlings right now. There you go. So a lot of these seedlings are gone, planted in the garden, which is awesome. I still have to put those cucumbers somewhere and all these watermelon, but I'm going to do another pallet structure for them. These tomatoes are going to get transplanted either into the East garden, some of them, and some of them are going to go into their own containers in the container garden. That basil is going to get planted with them. We got some tiny Tim tomatoes and some beefsteak tomatoes. Most of the tiny Tims are going to go in containers 
and the beefsteaks mostly are going to go in the garden. And then the peppers are finally coming up. Yay! They take forever. Still waiting on the Hungarian hot wax there. And the California there. But I have a ton of California peppers, so I'm not worried about that. These. Greek pepperoncini coming up. Jalapenos coming up. Uh, sweet banana peppers. And cubanelle peppers here. So... They need to get a little bigger yet before they get transplanted. Probably a month or so. Peppers take forever to grow. Tomatoes, not so much. These guys are six weeks old. It is time for them to get transplanted. They are huge. All these guys are six weeks old. They all need to get transplanted and soon. These guys, however, are not. Let's see. Uh, oh yeah, no, these guys are too. All the tomatoes are. And these eggplant also take forever. So, next project is to transplant the rest of these. Sunflowers and marigolds, doing well as well. They're only a couple weeks old. Uh, transplant the rest of these and start the next round of seedlings. So what I've come to realize over the last few months is that you should always have seedlings going. Like I do a round of seedlings basically every month and it, it happens to be around the third week of the month that I plant my seedlings. So um, I'll do uh, like I did all those tomatoes uh, right after, let's see, it was around February 21st. Um, right for Valentine's day. And then I did, uh, and, and I did some eggplants then, and then I did all the peppers and the, um, vining melons and squashes a month later, right after St. Patrick's day, like March 22nd. And then I'll do the next round of seedlings. As soon as I come back from Texas around, the, around April 20th or so. Um, because you can always put things in the ground and not everything transplants. Um, you know, some, sometimes things die, things don't transplant well. Um, or I, I mean, it's always good to have backup. I'm also going to start selling seedlings at the farmer's market. So I want to have seedlings going constantly. So anyway, uh, that's been going great. I have a great little table outside of my deck that I can put seedlings in. So that makes it very, very handy for me. Um, I also have a, a smaller structure um, that I can do racks of seedlings in the pool house. But honestly, it's so warm and so sunny on the deck that they do pretty well there. So let's see. This is the one I want next. I don't think so. So let me show you where we're at with the gardens. Actually, hold on. Um, okay. Here we go. All right. So I planted the, the West Garden right next to the chicken coop. Transplanted the peppers in there. Here we go. All right, 
So I planted the West garden today, or a good portion of it, some of it yesterday. Figured I should make a video before I forget what I planted where. So starting here. And of course I did the electroculture Fibonacci sequence structure again. So I've got beans in this. And then down here is gonna be a line of sunflowers and marigolds on that side. And then right up close on this structure here um, is going to be cucumbers and squash. Cucumbers and squash going all the way around, all down here. So it'll climb up it until we get to the thinner one. And then that has beans, beans going all the way around the outside. So here, a small bed of okra and kohlrabi, butting up to a bed of corn and squash. I transplanted the peppers from the container garden in the back. Um, those are already doing well. In here, I planted beans and peas inside the squares. And then in the middle, hmm, I did kohlrabi in the middle. No, I did cauliflower in the middle. I think. Another pepper there and there and there. So these are the hot peppers. And then over here, I did a specialty herb bed. So specialty herb bed is going to be burdock root. This all got planted today. So burdock root, um, marshmallow root, valerian, St. John's wort, and anise. Yeah. Um, again, that's the corn. And then over here, and then there's a line of, I marked it with a flag, a line of radishes going right down here. And right in the middle there, there's a line of, uh, half a line past where the block goes, of carrots, uh, some bunching onions, some garlic, and lettuce going down there, right next to the okra and the corn. So in here, in the middle here, um, I did cabbage, cabbage, pak choy cabbage. So golden acre cabbage, Copenhagen cabbage, pak choy cabbage, uh, mustard leaf and collard greens. And then in between each of these tomatoes, I'm sorry, peppers. And these are all either green, yellow or orange. They're all bell peppers. Um, I've got cilantro and lovage, cilantro and lovage in between each of those. And actually inset in these little holes here, um, I have okra, just okra. And then over here is carrots, onions, and spinach going all the way down, one after another. Inside the bed here is peas, and behind it is squash and uh, butternut squash in particular. I'm gonna put more pellets down the line here. And as I do that, I'll plant uh, melons and stuff behind them so they can grow up the pellet. So that is the second garden so far. I have a couple more beds to plant, obviously this big open space here and this smaller one there, but you made quite a bit of progress today. 
So that was one week ago with the electroculture garden. And, um, I, I literally, I did that one, that video last Saturday and I, I played it last Saturday on the show, uh, but I want to show you guys the difference. So, hold on. So let me find the next one because I'll tell y'all this electroculture thing has, I've never seen stuff grow so fast. Okay. This is the same garden this morning. But this, this kind of blew my mind. This is like 24 hours. Every single one of these pops. Beans popped there. Sorry, this was actually yesterday. All the beans are going in there. The peas there. I'm not sure I planted that side. I'll have to wait a couple more days and see. All of these popped up. All those squashes there. Some peas. And then all the peas going down there. And then okra coming up in here. Corn and squash. And then this line was carrots, uh, salad, greens, and garlic and onion all bundled together. So the lettuce came up first. This pepper is already fruiting and I just planted it. I mean, I just replanted it. I just transplanted it. All those squashes and corns came up. All these peas popped up going along the edge here. All of those popped up there. Peas in here. Some of the cabbage is starting in here. See them, they're little. But then the bok choy and the mustard greens and the collard greens look awesome. And then these peppers are starting to fruit as well already. And again, I just transplanted them. All this okra popped up and all that's growing nicely. So this garden's doing pretty awesome. Oh, peas all along the edge there too, the back fence line. So that was one week, one week from the time I planted the seeds in the ground or transplanted the pepper plants until it looks like this one week. Um, or not even five, that was five days actually. Um, I mean, that's, that just, that's craziness. And then, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, let me find the next one. And then I'll show you guys the other garden as well because that's really growing like crazy too. 
So And this is 24 hours later. So it poured down rain last night. This is this morning. Everything grew. And it's going to rain off and on again today. So I figured I'd make this video quick. I don't know if I'll be able to do it again later. So let's see what we've got here. Got marigolds and sunflowers. Sunflower. All coming up down here. Looking awesome. All of these cucumbers and squashes are popping up here. The peas are coming up there. That's corn, but I didn't plant it. It's coming up from the uh, compost from the chicken feed. So I'll have to pull that. And then peas and beans here. Look how quick these peas are growing right next to this electroculture antenna. I must have dropped a seed there. Unless that's a bean coming up from the compost, which is possible. I'll leave it, see how it does. All right, here's the peppers that we transplanted. The first ones here. It is gorgeous. Again, an electroculture antenna. This one's part of the Fibonacci sequence structure. I did not plant anything in there. I'm actually going to save it for uh, one of my pepper transplants that I'm growing from seed in the back. But these peas are coming up nicely. As is inside this specialty herb bed here. Everything's starting to sprout. Look at that so pretty and then those beans and peas are insane already it's been less than a week since i planted these seeds less than a week i literally started it on monday actually saturday was a week because i lost track this of time. one is already fruiting jesus look at this i'm gonna have a uh, Tabasco peppers here in just a, just a couple weeks. I'll be able to pick these and use them. I love using Tabasco peppers in the food. Fresh Tabasco peppers give it just enough of a bite that the kids and I can handle it. And Mick doesn't complain that it's not spicy enough. Already fruiting. And this is, I mean, it's a second year transplant, but shouldn't be fruiting this early beans and then corn and squash so i planted the corn and squash together they are traditional companion plants with tomatoes but obviously this is the pepper garden that's okay um so the idea is that the squash will climb up the corn and uh we'll see how that goes so and then Past that, the okra and I don't know, whatever else I planted over here. That's all popping up now too. Kohlrabi and Veronica, I, I keep track of it by these videos. 
And then right here, carrots with onions and garlic and lettuce. All in here, in this small row there. Radishes. Wow. Those are huge already. And now this cabbage is taken off. And this pepper is fruiting. That flower was not there yesterday. And this okra back here is beautiful. And this is the oldest. This I planted first. Um, this I planted a week ago, actually. So a mix of carrots, onions, and lettuce greens going down each one and everything's coming up there. The only thing that didn't do well is this one pepper here, this transplant. Looks like he's not doing well. But we'll see how he does when the other peppers come up from seed. If I, trans if I pull them and transplant it, that's fine. And uh, the herbs are coming up in between. There we go. Lovage and cilantro. And this guy's starting to fruit. That pepper's starting to fruit. They're all fruiting already. All of them, everything I transplanted, except for that one that's dying, everything else is fruiting. And this guy was really small when I put him in the ground and he's already getting bigger. All of these peas came up, every single one here, all the way down the line. And then switching over to the climbing squashes and even some more peas around this electroculture antenna. Climbing squashes, peas. This I don't need. We'll get to the chickens. Those are weeds. And then this is the last this bed here that I'm standing in. And this one here is the last one I have to plant. I was gonna do that this morning, but since it's super wet and mucky and it's gonna rain again, we're gonna have to save it for Monday. That's okay. This five day old garden is gorgeous already. Five days. Five days from the first sprout, seven days from the time I planted the seeds Five in the ground. Days. So seven days from the time I planted the seeds in the ground. Only the peppers are transplanted. So um, I, I'll tell you people, the, that electroculture, it it freaking works. I'm loving it. Uh, Kiwi boy, the electroculture antenna should be at least six feet tall. Um, but 
for pots, I put them, I make short ones and, you know, they're maybe like two or three feet tall. Uh, but for the tall ones, um, for the actual, the big gardens, one antenna covers 250 feet in diameter, um, like in a circle. So, however, the only issue um, that we have is that it does very much balance the pH in the soil. And Mark Jason Walker, you're right. Uh, things like radishes and beets really need it more acidic. Uh, so I'm I'm really just getting radish greens right now. Um, I'm hoping if I throw some coffee grounds on it and leave it for an extra week or two, then maybe I'll get some roots. But radish greens are great as well. So um, I'm okay with that. It's all right. You know, you can eat everything. Don't get disappointed just because something didn't work out exactly how you wanted it. So, um, and here is the big garden, the, the first garden, the one that's about a month old. Well, over the course of a month. So. All right, friends, let's see where we're at. I have no idea where the chickens are. I just got some of them from across the street. Looks like the ducks are coming over from the side yard. But let's go see where the gardens are at. So. Mm, this is coming up nicely. And again, this was uh, two or three days ago. Although, again, I wonder if the soil is too neutral for the root plants, like the kohlrabi. But I guess we'll find out. So kohlrabi in here. My radishes here. All that's doing well. Beets here. Carrots. Beets. More radishes. These radishes are amazing. Of course, they're radish greens. But that's okay. Oh, actually, that looks like it might be forming an actual radish over there. That would be good. Because these are mostly just radish greens. And they're going to get pulled in the next day or two. My green onions. Beautiful bunching onions here. Carrots, parsnips. Ooh, okay. Random lettuce leaf in the middle. All right then. We'll let that grow. Wild lettuce. Here's our radishes. See? Roots are purple, but they're small. They're leggy. But radish leaves taste just like radish roots. And they're delicious. And they can be used in all kinds of things. Then beans. Hello, beans. Look at them. They're beautiful. Huge. Side. 
And over here, beets. Pull that up to grass. It's a weed. Okay. It's a weed. Carrots. Lettuce. More lettuce. I'm gonna be eating salads for dinner soon. Okay. So I planted these cucumber seeds too early and it got too cold. So they went dormant and only a couple of them actually sprouted over here. But that's okay, because they started seedlings too. So we'll replant those. These beets are looking gorgeous. Same thing happened with these cucumbers here. That's okay. More beets there. Lettuce greens. There's borage that came up from last year. That came back from last year, actually. Okay. Beets. Okra and beans. Look at those beans are already starting to fruit. My tomato here. And here. Marigolds are popping. Peas are doing awesome. More beets. And kohlrabi. And then broccoli. Okay. And then over here, marigolds, borage, marigolds, borage. All starting to pop up. I think this tomato is done. We'll replant. And then this grape got huge. And so weird. That's a grape too. Outside of where it should be. Okay. Same thing happened with these cucumbers that happened over there. They just didn't sprout. So we'll have to plant seedlings in there. This tomato's coming back. Look, it's even producing now. All right, blueberry. Mint. And that grape. Here, but same thing down there. I planted those too early and they didn't pop, but that's okay because I have seedlings. Those cucumbers all popped. Now I planted four different types of cucumbers. Obviously, these are the only ones that take a little bit of cold in the seed. So those are good. Then Vega coming up. Potatoes. Potatoes. Potatoes are gorgeous. And my salad green palette is huge and beautiful. And 
and this tomato. Oh, and our corn is sprouting. Would you look at that? Hello, corn. And our herb bed is going crazy. So now you can even tell what they are. Parsley, oregano, chives, thyme, parsley, and more up here. Hello, chickens. All that, that's so nice. And this asparagus just keeps growing. I show you this asparagus. This one asparagus is six feet tall now. It's taller than I am. I don't know if you can see that here. That's the end of the asparagus. It's six feet tall. It's hard to see with the netting right behind it, but there you go. Right on an electroculture antenna. A six foot tall asparagus. All right, Kale's doing well. The other asparagus bed is obviously doing well. Tomato over there is doing well. Brussels sprouts. Onions. That pea took off. Mammoth basil's coming up. Some of those squash came up, and that spinach is beautiful. There we go. Hello, chickens. I'm going to have a lot of food. I'm really excited about it because um, I don't know about y'all, but I don't trust the food in the stores anymore. And I have a, I'll have a video to show you about that here shortly. Um, this though, okay. That asparagus, I cut it yesterday. And uh, I used it in our garlic tortellini soup. Okay. It's as tall, when, when I cut it, it was as tall as Mick. Or almost as tall as Mick. When I cut it, it was over five feet tall. Look at that thing. That's to the ground. That's a five foot tall asparagus. So anyway, um, that's, that was, that was just insane. A five foot tall asparagus. I've never heard of such a thing. I don't want to get to that yet. Then. Okay. And then this is just a quick video, quick update, because I put in a new structure in that garden and transplanted everything. So. Just finished watering and everything looks so pretty. And look, I built a new structure. I needed something bigger, sturdier for the bigger squashes. So I've got butternut squash on one side, lettuces that I planted underneath, just a mix of different lettuces and arugula, and then spaghetti squash on the other side. And then I also planted some squashes in front of there and 
I answered the melons down in front of the pallet that I stood up at the far end of the garden there. It looks so pretty right after it's watered and everything's nice and lush and rich. Wait till it gets big. Only 30 days in right now. Hmm. The ducks are having fun in the pool. So I just keep building structures and it's so easy. Um, I mean, that, that was literally two pallets and a, uh, I'll show you guys, um, two pallets and two pallets and one post, right? So if I can get to it here. So there's just a, uh, like a, one of these posts here, like one of these green ones right in the middle. And then the pallets leaning on it going, you know, one, one way, one, the other. So the pallets give shade to the lettuce greens that are inside. Cause it's way too hot down here, um, to grow greens very much longer unless you have a good shade for them. And then as it gets really hot, all of these squashes will grow up the pallets. Um, as the fruits grow, then I can like tie old t-shirts around them and, and hang them to give them support. Um, and they'll provide more shade for the greens inside. So Linz, I'm glad to hear I've got you dreaming, daydreaming about how you can expand your garden even more. That's kind of the point of this. All right. So that's where I'm at. Uh, oh, wait, hold on. Nope. I did more. Then that's just two gardens. I, I have more. <laughs> I have more gardens. All right. So this is actually an old strawberry bed that used to be right there. And the composter used to be right there. So I've switched them because the dogs ate all the strawberries. So what was the point? So, and I actually moved the strawberries into a pot, what was left. And I am going to plant melons in here because there's a nice sloping ground going down to the pond here. So I'm gonna plant climbing like zucchini and squash in the back. Melons in the front or down the sides so they can vine down the slope and then strawberries in the middle. And this took 150 quarts of dirt. So it's bigger than it looks. And that's the pond pump running in the background from across the pond. It is loud. So that's one part of that garden. And nope. Let me find the next one for you. Because my next project, here we go. All right, and you can see what I did there. And this is like the back area in between my porch and my pool. Next project, first the cat was in here but I've got sunflowers in the front planted in seed. 
and uh, giant kale in the back. So the sunflowers will shade the kale. Then over here, this bed took 150 quarts of soil. Sorry, I thought. Um, so strawberry roots in the center and cucumbers that are going to trail up the back and melons that are going to come down the front. This whole area, so they'll trail down there. This needs to finish getting cleaned out here. That was a compost pile. I'm relocating it. And over here, sunflowers and marigolds in the back, melons in the front, they'll trail down. And that has borage in the middle or in the back and uh, melons in the front that'll trail down. And then that one will get planted next. Same deal. So this whole area is uh, going to be a fruiting area, fruit. Fruits and melons and pumpkins and things like that. So I still have a lot more clearing to do. Yes, recently Mick shot at the gator and missed it. Um, and then uh, it was out the other day, but my neighbor that doesn't appreciate 2A was home. So I did not shoot at it. I just scared it back into the pond. Um, although every once in a while we have like a neighborhood block party or a pond party where everyone goes around and takes pot shots at the gator. It's fun. We try not to shoot each other. So, um, okay. So I wanted to share this with you guys. Okay. This is why it is so important to grow your own food right now, people. I can't even begin to tell you how important it is. So I'm going to let Tom Renz tell you how important it is. And Dr. Naomi Wolf. I love Tom Renz. I love Naomi Wolf. I don't know Naomi personally. I do know Tom personally. Here you go. So now let's move on, if we may, in our last few minutes to our to your latest concern, which is a bill, as I understand it, you're wanting to which you're wanting to call attention, which is about GMO food and DNA. Will you speak to that, please? Yeah, and it's actually I want to I want to just drill right down what this is, and we know this has happened. I've got documents from the NIH from 2002 talking about integrating vaccines into foods. Oh no, this okay? Yeah, yeah. So what we've got going on is the mRNA gene therapy type drugs. And by the way, when I say that, just for anybody that doesn't know, I have Moderna's documents. They call it a gene therapy. This is settled, right? I mean, unless you want to argue with Moderna and Pfizer themselves, this is gene therapy. They've been working on integrating these into our food supply. They've been working on it for more than at least two decades. Okay. So at least two decades, they're moving forward with this. So, I have a, a friend that works with me, and uh, she got elected to the House of Representatives in Missouri. And, you know, we talked with her, and she sponsored a bill that would require it doesn't ban anything. Okay. We wrote this bill. We worked with them. I helped them with this bill. It was written in a way that was meant to be as easy to pass and as hard to oppose as possible. And all it does is it does three things 
It requires labeling and disclosure of any product that has any gene therapy qualities. It requires that if you have a product on the market that, that has gene therapy qualities, that you, you Naomi, I, we, anyone can, can call the company and say, hey, how does this spread? Does it shed? Is it spread through contact? Is it through sexual contact? Through is there a way that this can spread? And they have to disclose it. And then the third part is is it requires informed consent. And informed consent includes serious events of ad, or adverse events of special interest. Uh, we so we close that loop on there legally. And it requires informed consent before you be given anything with the gene therapy or medicinal property. Right. So this is this isn't difficult, right? I don't think this is a Democrat bill or a Republican bill. It's sponsored by a Republican, but it should be universally supported. Absolutely, of course. This has become, it's two pages, by the way, no riders, no jokes, nothing, just very straightforward. You can read it. It's House Bill 1169 in Missouri. This has become the most contentious bill in Missouri history. Wow. They have, all we're asking for is transparency. Right. And, and disclosure. So you've got a transparency disclosure bill. Here's what's happened, though. This is shocking, Naomi. You want to talk about an admission. So I go and I testify about this bill, which wasn't supposed to happen. It's only through the great people in Missouri calling and screaming and calling their legislatures. And by the way, I just put on my Twitter feed, I listed the lobbyists opposing this along with the contact information of the people in the committee because we're playing hard. Yeah. You call these lobbyists. You ask the Farm Bureau why it is that they don't think that the farmers would want to know if their their crops are being poisoned. Yeah. But uh, so we put this out there and here's the, here's the response. They can't, they can't come out. Big pharma can't come out and say, we oppose disclosure and transparency. Right. So what they did was they went to the ag community. They went to, and I'll, I'll tell you, we've got uh, the cattle, Missouri Cattlemen's Association, uh, the Missouri Corn Growers Association, M- Missouri Pork Association, Farm Bureau, uh, Soybean Growers. Um, they went to these guys and said, hey, we need you to oppose this. Now, remember, the two largest holders of ag in this country are, are Bill Gates and the CCP. Yeah. yeah. So these guys throw money at these guys, buy off these guys. They're not representing the local farmers. But the reason that I thought this was important enough to come on a big show like this and talk about it is if I pass this bill mm-hmm. in Missouri, and it's a red state, they should be loving this. Okay. Yeah. If I pass this bill in Missouri, those disclosures mm-hmm. and the ability to get that information apply globally. So right. if we can exactly. win in one state, right. the truth in Missouri is the truth in Iowa. Yeah, yeah, I understand. So, so we've got to get everybody on the planet calling these guys telling them you've got to pass this. You've got to stand for we, the people. All it is is transparency and disclosure. We don't even ban it. They can still make their poison foods. I just need to know if I'm eating it. Unbelievable. Why are they so, do you, do you, why do they want to change our DNA so much? Do you have a theory about that? Well, so again, I can't prove it, but I, you know, one of the things that I like to say is this, when you've ruled out the plausible, you're left with the unlikely. Right. And when a serial killer tells you that they're going to kill somebody, right, right. They're going to you do should it. listen. Yeah. And we've yeah. got Harari, Yuval Noah Harari and Klaus Schwab talking endlessly about controlling the genome, making people hackable, all these crazy sounding things that sound like sci-fi to me, but they're telling us 
Right. It's true. All right. Well, you know what? Something also occurred to me again, thinking politically, uh, the, the vaccine rollout is now a failure. They're not getting yep. to people like you and me and our yep. friends. They're not able to get this material into people's veins with a needle. So now they'll go to plan B and try to get it into our bodies with the food supply. Yeah. Thanks to people like you. Thanks to us fighting, we yes. were able to keep a control group and now people are able to see what's going on. So yeah, it's done and we're right. winning COVID. So they're, they're regrouping. They, these guys feel this huge need to control our genome. I don't, you know, we can speculate as to why, but the thing is, is I don't trust them to control anything about me. Well, no. And until they get there, there's also the, the just geopolitical we're at war question of if they, you know, I believe, and I agree with you that the the globalists don't want the United States to exist, let alone be strong. So I'm looking at all these, you know, food processing plants going up in fire and flames and trains derailing. I mean, this never happened before 2020 um, in the United States, vanishingly rare. And the, the, and I live in a rural area and there's such drive to kind of, you know, we're fighting a, a, you know, my, my husband, Brian O'Shea has been in the military uh, intelligence community for many years has pointed this out that China wants to wants our resources, but doesn't want our population. And so he also also pointed out that solar is, is run by alternative energy, even though I'm a green supporters run by China. So they can, so right now, 450 acres of productive farmland in the Hudson Valley, like the food basket of the Northeast are, are being taken over by solar through fiat from the state level, overriding um, town uh, law, 18 laws in my local community are being overridden, you know, yeah. by to take over this farmland. Point is this all fits together, right? Like, yep. Take over the farmland, buy up the farmland, leave people unable to grow their own food, raise their own cattle, raise their own yep. sheep, whatever it is. And then you have to eat the Franken food um, yep. that, you know, has been bought up and contaminated at the levels that, that you're describing by Bill Gates, by China. It's horrific. Yep. Um, well, happily, happily, I've got a resource for you in our final moments. Um, we have a, a, a tool, which I created because I saw how citizens were being left out of legislation. Um, and you can go to Bill Cam and you can find your bill. Everyone can find the bill by entering Missouri and the, the uh, number of the bill. What is it again? House H- Bill 1169. House Bill 1169 in Missouri. And there you'll find the actual bill. You'll see the bill text and you can share it through social media. So you can tweet the bill sponsor, you can tweet your representative, and you can call that sponsor. You can call, you know, you can follow any opponents of this bill. Um, Mr. Renz will keep us informed about whom we should call, whom we should be lobbying. And you can send that through social media. And we've found that um, because, it, and you can quote, vote on it up or down, because this all happens transparently, uh, we are able to stop bills that are bad and advance bills that are good. And the other thing I want to say is we at Daily Clout um, are able to uh, ask you to create a draft bill that is um, just a template. And we can ask our friends in legislators, all, legislatures all over the country to uh, get behind and sponsor this draft bill that you create. So we can talk offline about you doing that if you're willing to, and then we can Absolutely. stop state by state. That's how we help to stop vaccine passports. And I'm quite sure that um, we can be successful stopping the state by state with your help. Good Lord. And, you know, certainly everyone watching globally needs to know that it's probably happening in your 
country and your community as yes, well. Reason for people in France and Britain and Germany and all over the world to, you know, reclaim the tools of democracy any any way lawfully that you can, so you can uh, stop this horrible takeover of the human food supply, human bodies. Um, is there any final thing? Where can people find you and support you and help you in this fight, Mr. Renz? Well, please do. Go to TomRenz.com. We've got sponsors. We've got a sub stack. I need my sub stack. You know, we need that to grow. Um, and we have a give, send, go. I don't, as an attorney, um, I very rarely bill for my time. Wow. I do almost everything out of pocket. Uh, my other attorneys I have to bill for, but I give up almost all my time for free. This is a God family country thing for me. And I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican or a, a pickle, and whatever you are, if you're pro-freedom, you're my guy and I'll attack the Republicans. I'll attack the Democrats. I don't have a game in this a horse in this game outside of freedom. So your support is what keeps us going. And the more we've got, the more we'll fight. I just want to second that. It's really important. The only, you know, these few heroes who are bringing these issues to light, they suffer. We all suffer economically, you know, professionally. So this um, donations pipeline uh, that Mr. Ren spoke about is incredibly important. So if you care about what we've just shared with you, do go help him. You know, every little bit helps, no doubt. And I'm just seconding that emotion. Where do people find you on on uh, social media? What's your website? Uh, well, we've got Ren's Tom on Twitter. And uh, please follow there. We put a lot of stuff there. I also use True Social, um, and we do Tom Renz there. But we're on just about every social media platform you can find. Uh, we do a lot of Rumble videos, and if you support us there, that's great. Um, you know, we're 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 growing as fast as we can. But like I said, I started out about as as lowly as you can get on this, and uh, it's been a real process. And it's always a balance between fighting and growing. Right. Uh, because we have to bring more people in to win the fight, right. but we have to fight to stop the madness while we're doing it. Absolutely. We'll do all we can to support you. And everyone go to Bill Kim and look up this Missouri bill, HB11, say it again, HB1169. 1169. Thank you so much for spending time with us this morning, Mr. Renz, and we'll do all we can to help. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Y'all get it? You understand? Why it's so important to grow your own food? You know how easy it is to manipulate what's in your food? If you grow hydroponically, you can add magnesium or uh, fluoride. You can add good things or bad things. What do you think they're adding to your food? Do you think they're adding good things? Or do you think they're adding bad things? Because right now, I think they're adding bad things, to be quite honest. So um, in case y'all missed it at the beginning, our featured sponsor of the show is Survival Essentials. I'm going to play that real quick, and then we'll do our Justin tribute. We all know it's coming, and it's not going to be pretty. It's great to have storable food, but when that runs out, what are you going to do? Your best defense against the coming apocalypse is to have seeds so you can grow your own food. So I've been looking for various different seeds for the last couple of years. And off the bat, almost all seed companies are the same, as long as they're non-GMO, heirloom, yada, yada. But it's the following years that really concern me. So I bought a whole bunch of seeds last year. And when you get seeds, there's, there's a lot of seeds 
in a pack, a whole lot. You're probably not gonna use them all if you have a small garden. So you wanna make sure they last again the following year. So the best company I found for these seeds is called Survival Essentials. And when you go on their webpage, it says, your best defense against the coming apocalypse. So go to survival-essentials.com, save 10% with promo code DEFIANT, and get ready because we're gonna need to eat. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't trust the food in the grocery store anymore. I don't trust it unless I can plant the seed with my own hands and watch it grow with my own eyes and know where it's coming from and feed it to my family. So survival-essentials.com, promo code DEFIANT, saves you 10%. All right, here we go, y'all. You ready? Because it's 420 somewhere in, let's see. It's 420 in Tennessee right now. Tammy, it's 420 where you are. And you should grow this too if you can, if at all possible, because uh, you don't know what they're putting in this either. So, for our dear friend Justin, we miss you. We love you. Wish you were here with us so I could fight with you about growing your own food. That was the only thing that Justin and I ever thought about, by the way. With growing food and storing food, not so much growing food. He was all about me growing food. He was not about storing his own food. He wasn't about preparing for the future. He said, fuck it, if shit hits the fan, if I can't get food at the grocery store, I'll get it from someone else. That's that's not where we wanna be. We wanna be defending what we have, not stealing from other people. So, be ready. Be ready. Now is the time to plant. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter if it's snowing outside. Doesn't matter if it's 90 degrees. Now is the time to start planting. And if you're already planting, plant some more. You can use anything for a pot. You can use an old coffee can, like I showed you a couple weeks ago. You can use old, um, old plastic containers, old Tupperware. Not that I encourage use of plastic, but you know, better than throwing it away. Um, if you're not able to plant in the ground where you are, doesn't matter where you are, plant, plant something, 
something you can eat, not flowers. Plant food. It's really important. Willard, um, let's see. Someone just posted it in our chat. Yes, there you go. QE did. If you go to the Patriot Party podcast chat on Telegram, it's a Patriot Party pod chat. So t.me slash Patriot Party pod chat on Telegram. There's a copy of that bill there. It's the last thing on there. So thank you, QE, for doing that. I appreciate it. Um, so... And, all right. Um, oh, that's not what I wanted. There was one other one I wanted for you. And throwing my phone away because not it. Although this is fun, real quick. My favorite part of the day is the stampede in the morning. We're a little late today, so they're kind of mad, but that's okay. Good morning, birds. How we doing? You ready to come out? Peanut butter. Stop. You're such a brat. Go on, Rebel. What do you want, peanut butter? Mm-hmm. Go. Go, you little bitch. Go. Peanut butter is constantly running up and pecking at me. She's ridiculous. She loves Mick. She bends down. She like squats down so Mick can pick her up and cuddle her. No, constantly pecking at me. Such a bitch. Damn bird. Yeah, she was pissed I was late, but it doesn't matter. She always just pecks at me because she's just a bitch. So um, she'll just run right up and just peck at me. Just, just for fun. Just because, you know, why not? All right, so here we go. The other day, um, I was I was in a thread on Twitter, and um, somehow I I ended up watching this uh, video, which really intrigued me because um, y'all know I'm always looking for natural remedies for things that they say can't be cured without their poison. So, and of course, as soon as I got out of it, then like my Twitter feed went back to something else entirely and I couldn't find it again. And later that day, 
someone posted it in the Telegram and I was so excited. That exact same video. So I'm going to share it with y'all. So in case you've never heard of this. Next thing I want to look at is castor oil. And I've got some good news. I'm not going to advise you drink it. But castor oil penetrates very deep and it penetrates deeper than any other oil. So it can be used externally. And what it does, wherever castor oil penetrates, it breaks up lumps, bumps, congestions, adhesions. It can even break up a bone spur. It can break up tumours. I have known women have told me this, that's broken up lumps in the breast and those lumps may be cysts or even breast cancer. Now, we had a doctor do our program and she'd rung me up and she said to me, Barbara, can you help me? I've got a lump in my breast. It's three centimetres. I said, it's important that you go on the hormone balancing cream, buy some of those little panty liners, put castor oil on it and just slip it into your bra over the lump. A month later, she had the operation to take it out. Then she came to our health retreat for a week to just detox. She said, an amazing thing happened, Barbara. That lump was three centimetres. I put the castor oil on for one month. I had the op and the doctor said, you know, this is really strange. That lump was three centimetres. Now it's only two. One of the guests said, well, why did you have the op? Why didn't you just do castor oil? She said, well, I didn't know till after the op. One lady told me that she totally conquered her breast cancer by just using the castor oil compressors. Remember, castor oil penetrates deeper than any other oil. <coughs> now, to use castor oil, you make a little pack. Now, this is not really a, a um, poultice. It's more a compress. So you'll notice I've got an old tea towel here. So you can use an old towel or something like that. And I'm going to put the castor oil on. Castor oil is very thick and it takes a little while to uh, soak in. So all I do is do about a middle third of the whole area. So I don't really want to hold it up because it's going to run. So can you see how much I've put on? But by the end of the meeting, that will have all soaked in. So I say to people, when you're using castor oil, pour it in and don't touch it for about half an hour and that will soak in. Now, that's a really good area to put on the abdomen. Now, if castor oil is applied to the abdomen, it will heal any problems in the abdomen. So what have we got in abdomen? For a woman, um, there's the uterus. So that will penetrate and break up fibroids in the uterus. That will penetrate and break up cysts on the ovaries. That will penetrate and soften the colon if the person has constipation. That will penetrate into the colon and heal the colon if the, if the person has bad diarrhoea. Remember Psalm 104 verse 14? 
God gave herbs for the service of man. So whether it's diarrhea, irritable bowel, or whether it's constipation, the castor oil will go in and it will penetrate very, very deep and it causes a cleansing and a healing in that area. It's a remarkable herb. So you can use it to break up um, gallstones. So you would put it, say, on the liver area under the right rib. You may put it at the back to break up kidney stones. I've known people that have had bone spurs, say, on the knee, and they'll apply the castor oil compressors. We had a lady do our program. She had bone spurs on both knees. <laughs> and she also had tumours in her abdomen. After doing our program, it's two years now, and both two tumours have totally gone. Her oncologist can't believe it. So she had a total lifestyle change. And she was doing also the castor oil compresses on the knees for her, knee spur, her bone spurs on her knees. She said after... I think it was six weeks, they'd, they'd gone down by half. She said she forgot to do it and she noticed a, a month later they were gone. <laughs> now, last night we looked at the acid-alkaline balance and it's a high-acid diet which causes these um, deposits of calcium on the bones. So she also changed her diet so that she was not having a high-acid diet anymore. So the castor oil, I've also seen it help people with brain tumours. And what they do is they put it on the area. Remember, it'll penetrate very, very deep, break up lumps, bumps, congestions, adhesions. So if you've got a sore knee and you think, well, do I use the castor oil, do I use the ginger, or I do use the potato? We'll do one one night, one another night, one another night, and just see what the body says. And your body might like them all. And that's perfectly fine because they're doing slightly different things. So it's very powerful. It'll break up a bone spur, but it will not break up your bone. Why won't it break up the bone? Because remember Psalm 104 verse 14, God gave herbs for the service of man. They work with the needs of your body. So the castor oil can be a very important part of a program on something like, well, anything that I have just suggested. Now, that's already um, soaking in quite well. Can you see that? Now, because it's a compress, this can be reused again and again and again. So a person might use it a dozen times. Now, if someone's using it for, let's say, a fibroid on the uterus, in the uterus, they might wear it overnight. Or some people say, well, I don't like wearing it overnight. So I say, well, just wear it for at least five hours a day, for at least five days a week. Little by little by little, it'll penetrate and start breaking up any unnatural growths in the area. One lady said that it felt so comfortable on her lump in her breast, she just wore it 24-7. <laughs> and that's where you can devote a sports bra to this. Now, every time, let's say someone wears it overnight and they're going to wear it the next night, they might put another little teaspoon in. You'll get to know when it starts to dry a bit. And one person said, well, can't I just rub the castor oil into the area? You'll just get a light layer then. And any clothes you put on it are going to get castor oil on them and that is no fun to get out of your clothes. 
But with this compress, it's a vehicle. It's a vehicle to hold the oil. And the thicker the compress, the more oil it can hold and the more oil is available to go into you. Now, an old bush remedy in Australia is if you get something in your eye, put a drop of castor oil in your eye and that'll roll around and even take it out. And another recipe, I have not used this, but I have had people testify for glaucoma and cataracts, put one drop in each eye before you go to bed at night. That's the only time you do it because you'll go a bit blurry. But because you're going to sleep, it doesn't matter. One lady said, I'm about to have an op. What will I do? I said, well, put the drop in each eye and see what happens. And if it's too advanced to basically have a turnaround, maybe you'll have a op. But personally, I think it's worth the try because <laughs> you just might be able to prevent an op. Eye surgery's come a long way and it's not a difficult operation, but it's, it's nice if it can be, be prevented. So the castor oil can be used in a variety of areas. I don't know about y'all, but I found that absolutely fascinating. I only ever knew about castor oil for constipation um, and everyone dreaded it because it tastes terrible. But as a topical penetrating agent, that's amazing. And yeah, castor oil comes from uh, castor, castor beans from a castor bean plant, which can grow to be about 10 feet tall. And it has these like big, vibrant red flowers on them. Sorry, I'm watching the ducks go past the window right there. Uh, the dogs must have scared them away from the fence. Anyway, um, so uh, that was fantastic. If you want the link for that, um, that one in particular is in the Patriot Party podcast chat, Patriot Party pod chat on Telegram. Um, I don't know if y'all heard, but Substack and Twitter have been kind of battling back and forth right now. So, um, and it's really a pain in the ass to embed links on Substack anyway. So I have uh, detached my two Telegram channels. So the Patriot Party podcast, um, that primary channel is going to be all the clips. And I went back to January 1st and started forwarding them from then. Um, and I'm actually live streaming the shows on that channel as well so that this show is currently live streaming on telegram um and uh so you can you can find that clip on there as well so anyway so all right and okay all right So since I didn't get to dig today, I got to bake. So um, I think this is the start. Let's see. Nope. Sorry, gotta go backwards here. Here we go. Uh, no, that's not in order. Mm 
That's weird. I don't know why that other one came up last or first. All right. So. Okay. So you guys want to learn how to bake a cake or do you want to hear more about why we're completely in shit? Up to y'all. It is Easter after all. So you let me know what you want to do. I'm more than happy to teach you how to bake a cake. I did it this afternoon or um, I have a video from Dr. Martin about uh, why shit is shit. So what do you think? Shit, cake. All right, cake it is. If we have time for Dr. Martin afterwards, we'll get there. I'm watching the weather out the window at the same time because I got to put the birds up soon. Here we go. Okay, so tomorrow's Easter. And my mom put me in charge of making desserts. So I am going to make a vanilla railway cake. I have this cute little cake mold. Like this in the end. But I'm not going to follow that recipe because uh, it's not my favorite. So I have a different vanilla cake, cake recipe that I'm going to use. And let's see, to start, I've already preheated the oven to 350 degrees or it's preheating now. I have greased my cake pan with butter and flour out there. Okay. And all right. Flour, baking powder, and salt in a large bowl. Can be cake flour, not self-rising flour, just regular, plain old, all-purpose flour. teaspoon of salt. I'm going to skip through this y'all because like it's a Himalayan sea salt personally for pretty much everything. So quarter teaspoon salt. Whisk that all together. I hate sifting flour. Whisking flour is so much easier than sifting flour. You can also put a little bit of allspice or nutmeg or cinnamon in here if you want a vanilla spice cake. I'm actually doing a lemon cake. So a lemon vanilla cake. We'll see when I get there. So no spices in this one today. All right, four large eggs. 
I'm actually going to do two duck eggs and two chicken eggs. The duck eggs are just so rich and they give so much extra flavor and it's just it's amazing, especially for baking. And I have so many duck eggs, might as well use them. I need to use a stand mixer for this because it doesn't work as well otherwise. I mean, you can use an electric mixer. It's just kind of a pain in the ass. Of course, I always save all my eggshells. I either feed them back to the ducks and the chickens which makes their shells in turn stronger. Or I, when I transplant plants, I put an eggshell under each plant that I transplant. That extra calcium and minerals and whatnot helps get the plants uh, nice and strong while it's trans transplanting. Okay. So because I use two duck eggs and it calls for four eggs total, I'm actually gonna use two of my smaller chicken eggs because I have giant brown eggs or, I mean, they all come up as extra large um, on the scale because I feed the ladies well, but they're smaller than duck eggs nonetheless. On a high speed for about 30 to 45 seconds. We're going to pour the sugar in over it to get the lumps out. I was going to run it. So while the eggs are beating 45 seconds to a minute before the sugar into the egg mixture is beating. All right. So. All right, so the timer is up. And this is what our eggs and sugar look like after beating for seven or eight minutes right there. So nice and huge, big and fluffy. We're gonna start adding the flour to that and keep going with our batter here. So put it out. So. Beat it on a very low speed until it's just incorporated. for like five, 10 seconds. And then the rest of the flour. And low speed. All right, so we are going to take our hot milk and butter, not boiling, just hot, and put it in the now empty bowl with the flour, from the flour. With three teaspoons of our lemon flavored oil. Okay. 
come in vanilla. When you whisk it up, be vigorous, whisking it. Turn this back on. And you're going to slowly pour this hot milk butter batter into the batter. Be um, for our cake batter. All right, so this is what our batter looks like. There is a lot of air bubbles in it. It is very, very light and fluffy. So this is a little because they're so light and fluffy, they have a lot of air bubbles in them. So needs a good get rid of those air bubbles. And then in the oven it goes, 20 minutes. Cake's done. So our cakes are done. Just about. Pretty good. All right. So because these are going to be like trains, I need to get them flat here. So red knife. Super gentle. One at a time. I have the cake tops that will cool. Those are like cupcakes for the kids or just cupcake tops for the kids. cakes and then we can frost and decorate them tomorrow morning that's a good cool there you go cakes all right so oh now um why shit is shit why you need to grow your own food, why it's so important. Okay, how COVID happened, why no one will do anything about it, why it's up to us to stand up. And this is 20 minutes, so here you go. You'll see that on September of 2019, and I'll just move it up so you can see the, the cover of the World Health Organization publication, you see that by September of 2019, not only did they know what we were going to get, we actually have the picture of the coronavirus right there 
on the cover of the September 2019 issue of A World at Risk published by the World Health Organization. And in the not-so-fine print in the early pages of that report, we find out that we are going to have a world exposure to an accidental or intentional release of a respiratory pathogen. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there is an operative term that's important to actually highlight in the sentence that is in their document from September of 2019. And the word was release. It's funny how the media continues to insist that there was either a leak or somehow a natural zoonotic transfer, but nobody is bothering to read the actual words written by the perpetrators themselves, which said release. You know what that means? Somebody with intent let it out. This is not a, oops, it got away. This is a word that they used, and the word that they used was release of a respiratory pathogen. But now we have to sit back and say, well, Dave, release of a respiratory pathogen, who would have anything to gain from that? And conveniently, conveniently, the Moderna report that just came out helped us clarify the what and the why. And I'm going to go ahead and add this to the stream with enough screen resolution that hopefully some of you can see it. I will also post the link into the chat on the YouTube channel and on wherever else anybody can share it because it's help helpful to make sure that you see it straight from the horse's mouth. It turns out that if we look at precisely what Moderna said in its recently published report, it said the cost of sales was $1.9 or 39% of product sales for the fourth quarter of 2022, including third-party royalties of $604 million of which $400 million related to a catch-up payment to the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease for a new royalty-bearing license agreement executed in December. I want you to stop and read what is on this screen right now. Moderna is paying NIAID, Anthony Fauci's organization, which, by the way, executed a royalty-bearing license in December. That's before Anthony Fauci went off on his merry way, where $400 million was paid to NIAID for a new royalty-bearing relationship, and the agreement provides for a low single-digit royalty on future COVID injection sales. Ladies and gentlemen, this is exactly... The racketeering, the pump and dump, this is exactly the racketeering, the entire now Ponzi scheme that we can add to all the other crimes that I've been talking about since the beginning of this pandemic. And lo and behold, in black and white, we have an unambiguous statement that says that we, the people, are now paying out of the royalties, we are paying NIAID, Anthony Fauci's own organization, $400 million for the privilege of having a sole source contract provided by none other than the perpetrators of this particular outbreak. And the news is that no one in Congress, not a single person in Congress, not Ron Johnson, not Rand Paul, 
not Ron Paul, not anybody, not any governor, nobody in any party, Republican or Democrat, is taking this particular issue head on. But the criminals are promoting and laughing in our face while we sit there and watch them state explicitly that they are now paying the kickback for the deal that they got. So that's the incentive. But this is where we need to actually take a step back down memory lane and do some really hard examination. And this show is going to be that hard examination. Now, I have made reference to this article more times than I can count. And what's important to realize about this particular article, if you're not paying attention, and once again, I will post the link because it's important for me to have all the references. I'll post the link here in the chat. But the article that I'm going to call your attention to is one that requires me to move myself off the screen so that I can talk you through it as much as I can on the format that we have here. I encourage you to have a look at this entire document in its full grandeur. But for the time being, let's have a look at what this is. Let's start with the language of the title. The language of the title that says, SARS-like WIV-1-COV poised for human emergence. And then what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to read the very small print that actually lives down here. That this article was received for review on September 4th, 2015 and was approved for printing on January 6th, 2016. So we have a period of roughly four plus or minus months during which time this was under review. And remember, this was under review during the gain of function moratorium. That wonderful pause in doing gain of function research that, that apparently Ron Paul still has in his entire interactions with Anthony Fauci, no ability to actually hold Fauci accountable for. But during that gain-of-function moratorium, what happened was there was a selection of pathogens brought over from China. And what we found in a preliminary review of those, pa uh, those particular pathogens, we found out that WIV1, right here you see WIV1, that is Wuhan Institute of Virology Virus 1, COV spike, are poised to emerge in the human population and, due to the efficient replication, in primary human airway epithelial cell cultures. Now, what's important about that? We said that we were going to have an accidental or intentional release of a respiratory pathogen. And it turns out, that the spike protein modification that was part of the Wuhan Institute of Virology Virus 1 COV happened to do a great job of replicating and infecting human airway epithelial cells. But here's where it gets really fun. And we're going to go ahead and just pop up to the wonderful sentence that we have here, which is using the SARS-CoV infectious clones as a template. Let's stop with that. Using SARS-CoV infectious clones. This is not a product derived from nature. This is a synthetic clone. We designed and synthesized a full-length infectious clone of WIV1-COV. And you should ask me right now, Dave, who's the we in this conversation? Who's the we 
that is building an infectious clone of WIV1COV, including all of the terrible components that we know make it infectious? And the answer is that it is, in fact, the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And we also did it by actually adding, check this out, a SARS spike protein that was replaced with the Wuhan Institute of Virology virus one spike protein within the mouse adapted backbone of the model. Let's stop and get this really clear. The thing that killed Americans and continues to kill Americans was engineered from an infectious clone. It was not a naturally occurring phenomenon. It was, in fact, something that by their own admission was engineered and not in China. It was engineered in the United States. And why are no members of Congress, why are no governors willing to have this conversation? Well, the answer is very simple. You don't get to the internal pat on the back and cash-in-the-pocket deal that we just saw with Moderna and that we've seen for over a decade with UNC Chapel Hill if you actually investigate the real source. Because if you investigated the real source, you'd realize that NIH and NIID and the National Academy of Sciences and the National Institute of Health are all part of the criminal conspiracy that gave rise to this problem as evidenced by the $400 million payment I just showed you. But let's get a little bit further into this. This is really cool. We wanted this to be replicatable in human epithelial cells. We didn't want it in a mouse model. We wanted it in humans. Next, we wanted to determine if the Wuhan Institute of Virology Virus 1 COV replication potential and models of the human lung previous examination of WAV1-COV recovered from bat samples demonstrated poor replication. However, replication of epidemic SARS is also poor in this cell type, potentially due to the ACE2 receptor expression levels. Therefore, well-differentiated primary human airway epithelial cells were infected with the Wuhan Institute of Virology Virus 1 mouse-adapted pathogen and WIV1-COV and SARS-CoV urbani and SARS-CoV MA15. And at the time of 24 and 48 hours post-infection, both WIV1-MA15 and WIV1-COV produced robust infection in human airway epithelial cells. And then we get the smoking gun. Then we put it in vivo. What does that mean? That means that we actually put a known, infectious, manufactured clone of a known-to-be-harmful-to-human lungs into living animals. And we did it where? Not inside of the Wuhan Institute of Virology in Wuhan, China. We did it at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill in violation of all of the statutes prohibiting the work on amplifying biologic agents for the purpose of weaponizing them against humanity. These are criminal admissions 
of violations of 18 U.S. Code and to date, not a single member of Congress, not a single attorney general, not a single prosecutor anywhere in this country, not a single governor. No one is willing to have the courage and or fortitude to actually look at the published admissions. Published admissions. That are right here on the page in front of you. Now, you can sit back and say, but Dave, did they really know they were doing something wrong? Well, the answer, I hate to break it to you, is that they did. Not only did they, they were very specific in saying what they did was actually a problem. But I want you to look very carefully at the fact that the construction of the chimeric SARS-like viruses were done and designed using published sequences based on the SARS-CoV infectious clone. Why is that important? That's important because this was not drawn from nature. It was not sampled from nature. It was not derived from nature. This was manufactured in the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill laboratories. The synthetic and chimeric mutant full-length WIV-1 was done there and approved by the UNC Institutional Biosafety Committee. That's a problem. Let's go on to look at the other problems. We actually have in vivo infection, massive problem. But let's look at the one that I like the most. Let's read these two beautiful admissions right here. Biosafety and biosecurity. Reported studies were initiated after the University of North Carolina Institutional Biosafety Committee approved the experimental protocol. Project title, Generating Infectious Clones of Bat SARS-like COVs, Lab Safety Plan, etc., etc. These studies were initiated before the U.S. government deliberative process research funding pause on selected gain-of-function research involving influenza, MERS, and SARS. That, by the way, is the gain-of-function moratorium. It's just the whole length of it under the public health um, description of that moratorium. And the current paper has been reviewed by the funding agency. You know what that means? NIAID. They read it. They reviewed it. They approved the publication of this and the protocol that was done. And then let's look at what they say next. Continuation of these studies has been requested and approved by NIH. In other words, not only did Anthony Fauci knowingly and willfully lie in violation of federal law in Congress, but Anthony Fauci continued these studies and requested additional studies, and it says it right in black and white. And then we read the last acknowledgement. We thank Dr. Zheng Li Shi of the Wuhan Institute of Virology for access to the bat COV sequences and plasma of the WIV-1 COV spike protein. Research was supported by the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease and the National Institute of Aging of the NIH under the awards, blah, 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 to RSB. Who's RSB? Who is RSB? Who was the one who was the agent who was then selected in January and February of 2020 to mislead the world in declaring that SARS-CoV-2 was a novel, never seen it before, never knew about it before, never could have been done before. Who did we ask to make sure that we got the designation that the SARS-CoV-2 was novel? Oh, that's right. 
the very criminal that created it. It's like asking a murderer to be the one who assesses the ballistic study on the gun and on the bullet and wondering if there's any motivation that that murderer might have to do something, I don't know, untoward with that kind of analysis. Ladies and gentlemen, this isn't a, I wonder how we're going to get to the bottom of it conversation. And I'm actually embarrassed at the Republican Party in the House right now for the fact that they continue, they continue to pretend like they are somehow placating this giant public need to get to the bottom of this story when not a single one of them has the decency and integrity of actually looking at the facts. Not one of them. No one is willing to address this. And it is not just that they're not willing to address it. They are actively suppressing it by pretending that they're going to do an investigation with the Department of Energy Research that comes up with this Pollyannish description of a low confidence interval on anything. We've got a problem. We've got a problem. And the problem that is happening right now is that we are being duped into believing there's accountability. And it's worse. It is worse to cover up the crime when you know it's a crime than to actually do so in ignorance. And that is the reason why I'm calling out the House investigation right now on coronavirus and on SARS-CoV-2. They are willfully misleading the public into the illusion of doing anything that is ultimately substantive. And the reason they're doing it is because they can't afford the political cost of calling into question the ultimate criminal racket that has pervaded this country since 1980, the criminal racket of captive agencies, captive federal government authorized agencies, which are captive federal funded agencies who are willing with impunity to get into organized crime rackets with state universities and other universities for the economic benefit of those institutions to criminally conspire to create pathogens known to harm humans. And since the passage of the Bayh-Dole Act in 1980, the entirety of this racketeering position has been known, has been promoted, has been, has been evidenced time and time again. And to date, no member of Congress has had the integrity to tell the American people that we need to shut down that criminal racket. That's why they're not willing to talk about it. That's why as much as you can talk about, well, there should be a conversation on Tucker Carlson or on Joe Rogan. Neither Tucker Carlson nor Joe Rogan have the courage to take on this topic because this topic strikes at the heart of the criminal racket that is not just behind COVID-19. This strikes at the criminal racket of the way in which we administer the captured public agency and public institution funding mechanisms in this country. And if you'd go after that, you wouldn't get reelected because it turns out that you need to have that money supply flowing back into states if you want to get elected. And there is no question that the reason why no one is willing to have this conversation is because it's too hot to handle, which is the reason why I'm having this conversation. The fact of the matter is, We, the people, are currently subject to a criminal conspiracy that is ongoing right now. 
The evidence is right in front of our face. There is no ambiguity. And for every person who took and was injured by a shot, I want you to know this very clearly. Moderna just paid NIA, NIAID a $400 million kickback so that they could have the privilege of injecting an experimental gene therapy into you. The fact of the matter is we have the evidence. You now have it. And it is incumbent on each and every one of you to do the right thing. Share this on every platform you can share it. Share it on your YouTubes, on your Twitters, on your LinkedIn's, on all of the different platforms you have. Share it, share it, share it. And see if anybody actually gives a rip. Because I do but I'm not sure that anybody else does. And it's now time to see if we can actually push this message into a place where it can be heard alongside of the lies that were promoted today by the Republican Party saying they were going to hold people accountable for a China lab leak story. Well, not one of them, not one of them, even suggested that maybe the investigations should start close to home. You get it now? You understand more? We have the evidence. We've had it. No one cares. No one's coming to save us. We didn't hold them accountable before, so they're just going to do it again and again and again. And the only thing you can do right now is prepare and protect yourself. Grow your own food. Go stock up on seeds. Go to survival-essentials.com. Use promo code DEFIANT. Save 10% on your seeds. Get a hold a seed bank that will last for years because you don't know when there's not going to be food in the grocery store. You don't know what's in the food in the grocery store. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but before I stopped buying food from the grocery store primarily, um, I was noticing that if I bought produce, didn't last as long, turned bad super quick, tasted funny, especially when I started eating what I was growing. Stuff from the food, food from the store tastes funny. I, I can't describe it better than that. Um, try not to buy it. Grow your own food. Stock up on prepared food just in case. But have the ability to take care of yourself because no one else is going to take care of you. No one's coming to save us. Go find five people in your community that are like-minded. Go see who's building a chicken coop in your neighborhood or building a new greenhouse or expanding their garden. Offer to trade seedlings with them. Offer to trade food. If you have chickens, you know, maybe they have something that you want. Something that you don't grow well or don't have a seed for. Trade seedlings, trade seeds, trade food. Build a community close by that you can depend on. 
and it's not about politics. It's about being self-sufficient and self-sustaining in your local community because the shit is going to hit the fan really soon. And if you are not prepared, you're going to starve. And if you don't know how to protect yourself, someone else is going to steal your shit and you're going to starve. So learn how to take care of yourself and learn how to grow your own food and learn how to protect yourself. And uh, good morning, Cisco. Welcome to today. So happy Easter, y'all. Um, I think we will uh, stream the first season of um, The Chosen tomorrow. They streamed it yesterday on YouTube and it's free. So uh, we might as well. We're going to my mom's for dinner, but we'll start streaming it um, before we leave at normal time, 2 p.m., so, uh, and it's about eight hours or so, eight episodes, um, just under an hour each. So maybe, you know, seven and a half hours, something like that. And, uh, yeah. So I hope y'all have a wonderful holiday with, uh, friends and family and eat a good dinner and don't fight. And be blessed. And thanks for watching. Bye all. We will be back on Monday. Um, we have another big show, big panel of guests coming on Monday. Uh, so make sure to tune in, tell your friends. Um, I think we'll have another big name pop up uh, like we did on what was it? Oh, the days run together. Uh, Thursday when we had uh, Dr. Thorpe pop in. And then yesterday when we had uh, Mr. Bowden pop in. And then Monday, who knows who it might be. So be sure to tune in Monday, 5.45 for Liana's Lounge, 6 p.m. for the show. And uh, again, we'll start streaming The Chosen tomorrow at 2 p.m. as we normally do. Um, we probably won't do a lounge or even an intro. We'll just go, just start the stream and go right into the chosen. So y'all enjoy and have a happy Easter. I, I don't want to act too high and mighty cause tomorrow I may fall down on my face. Lord, thank you for sunshine. Thank you for rain. Thank you for joy. Thank you for pain. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a beautiful day, hey, hey. Oh, yeah, thank you for sunshine, thank you for rain, thank you for joy, thank you for pain. It's a beautiful day, hey, 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 hey. it's a beautiful day, hey, 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 hey. it's a beautiful day. Sometimes life is good, but then the trouble comes my way. Oh
Death and resurrection